Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the channel. I am your host, Neil Vampiro, where we play good, clean, and keep this podcast clean. I'm the same Neil Vampiro that's on Neil Vampiro Gaming at YouTube.com and Twitch, NeilVamp97. Today we're going to be talking about Metal Gear 2 Sons of Liberty. <clears throat> My thoughts on it. This game takes place in 2001. It was released a couple of years after 1998 Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear 2 takes place in New York City, Manhattan, where you see Snake walking across the GW Bridge and jumping off the Verrazano Bridge, or rather the same GW Bridge, where he lands and the stamp stuff comes and gets busted. That game was good to me for multiple reasons. One, it was a PS2 game, one of the first few games on PS2, and... It showed the power and the graphicality of the power of the PS2, and the story was on point. The story was on point. It was very cinematic, and if you know Okajima, it was always cinematic. He liked to make movies out of his games. The first part was the tanker, where you are sneak, and you find out that it's being taken over by troops. And it's being led by Colonel Gulukovic, story-wise. And then a Marine Cypher T comes to take a picture of Snake, and you figure out why is there a Cypher as well. Anyway, as the story progresses, you realize the tanker is theirs. They took it over as soon as you landed. And as you make it way through your tanker, you're greeted by Olga, the Gru Colonel's daughter. Now, she was a cool boss to go up against because with her USP light equipped and you have your M9 Beretta sleep dart gun, she did everything she could to put your lights out. Meanwhile, you had to make sure you nailed her up, I'll say about 10, 12 times before you put her down. Meanwhile, in the game, she was pregnant carrying her child which we come to find out later was Sunny. And then we also had to collect the dog tags. The dog tags were special because they had every person's name that was involved with the game, from graphical design to the audio effects. But getting the dog tags was difficult. You either had to scare the guards to shake to get the dog tags or hope and pray that, you know, you had the USP gun and you just got them in the arm and they realized that you that you meant business. The tanker mission was short. Because once you got past the Marine Guards and, you know, and you sat through his speech and you did his little Marine exercise. If you want to do his exercise, stand by the camera station under the camera guy. But make sure that you're not fully exposed. And you can mimic the ex- the exercises. And after you take the pictures of Metal Gear Ray, that's when the whole cinematic of the double cross begins. Between Snake, the Gru Colonel, and Asala, or as we call Asa Liquid. Which Liquid was played by Cam, Asala was played by Patrick. So I kind of wish that in Metal Gear 4 that Cam did reprise his role 
was still liquid, but he was lost a lot being liquid. It got kind of flat. Metal Gear 2 was better because you heard the voice changes. You know, once you got past Metal Gear's tanker mission and it said complete, for a minute for me, I thought the game was over. Like, we just spent all this money for a short little sequel stint, which was shorter than, really, than Metal Gear Ground Zeroes. It was nothing more than replayable missions of the same, you know, prison scenery. So once you go into the plant side of things, if you chose the tanker plant, not plant separate. Once you chose the plant, you see another cut intro where everybody is going through the oil rig to defend it because it's being taken over and we're going through the oil fence we still let to believe that we are Solid Snake David Hitter which is still Solid Snake at this time where he was just given the role more than audition because come Metal Gear 3 and on 3 and 4 he had to re-audition. It wasn't until five where the, the the voice of Snake had changed hands. So once once you get into to the, the plant mission, you realize right away it's like sort of like starting off the way Shadow Moses did from under the water pool hall, and then you realize right away the voice that's speaking in the codec next to the Colonel which is played by Paul Langley, which is you think is still the colonel. is not the colonel, but we'll get into that later. It's, it's someone else. He, he's been called Snake, and they changed his name to Raiden because it's the same name as the bad guy that's running this whole operation. No one knows at the time that he's a third snake from the, from the Blue Tree Project where the snakes were born. Meanwhile, Eva was the mother of all three snakes. Solidus, Liquid, and Snake themselves. That's why Raven says blood from the east flow through your veins. Implying that Solid Snake was carried by someone that was from the west. And as you know, Eva was from the west because she used to work for the Japanese. At least that's, a story, that's what the story says. So once you get into that and he pulls back his head, you realize it's not Snake. It's someone else entirely. And as a player, you're mad as hell. Why the bait and switch? Why the April Fool's joke? We're thought we're playing Metal Gear as, as Solid Snake. Nope, it's someone else entirely. And through this whole game, you're made to play as his character, Raiden. Meanwhile, the player, you're, you're trying to figure out who is Raiden, why is Raiden so important, why are we made to care about this Raiden, which is played by uh, Quincy Flynn, which he did a good job as Raiden, I'm not going to lie. He's Raiden, he carried it through, even though he was a badass in Metal Gear 4, but we'll touch on that later. Metal Gear 2, he was like unsure himself, he don't even know why he's here, he don't even know why he's doing these missions. So as he's going through the tanker, you know, strat A, strat F, rather strat A and F first, and you get inside, you realize that they already start taking over. 
And if you go through the A side of things, two centuries, you got to pick a side, which one left, right? Because in the beginning, there's one on each side. So once you sneak past or you put them both to sleep, you get to strip B. You realize that right away, Vamp is there. He's already doing his thing. He took down Seal Team 10 or part of Seal Team 10. And he does it with relative lead. This is where this is where we were first introduced to Vamp. Vamp and Dead Cell are sitting in the sitting in place of Foxhound. The former unit that Snake took commander. Well it wasn't a commander, but he was part of. So Foxhound standing in for Dead Cell standing in for Foxhound at this point. Because this whole thing is mimicked to be Shadow Moses. For some crazy reason. It is mimicked to be Shadow Moses. So you you you, you met with Vamp. Right in show on sure. And at this point, after he takes out CLT 10, he's got another guy dressed in field gear. But at the time, we didn't know it was Snake, or in this case, JG Lieutenant Junior Grade. He went with the whole alias thing, because again, he didn't want to be confused with the, t- you know, with the bad guys taking over. So, once then Vamp makes a discovery that he found what he found, Fortune happens to call. Which was great, because you would have think that those two had a love affair, which they didn't. He really had a bond with her father, Commander Jackson, because they shared a prison cell together at one point. Or at least that's what the story says. To me, the story was great, because it has such of a storytelling more than the first one. The first one was was a storytelling which, which introduced the whole Metal Gear saga and the tone of everything, and how Kojima works and how he does his games. His games are very cinematic, movie st- movie story-driven telling. Sort of like Death, Tra- Death, Death Stranding is, is, is his thing, too. I know a lot of us ain't a big fan of that, but I actually enjoy the game. So going back to Metal Gear 2, where once you meet Vamp, it's more cinematic. You don't really fight him just yet. Um... You know, and then he finds out that he's talking to JG, uh, a SEAL, or he thinks he's a SEAL. JG takes, takes a break, gets a rest, and you figure he has a C um, lashing under his clothes. Right, and cops it. I thought that was a nice clue of a hint that, you know, why would he have a C fly? on his clothing if he came by here but writing next questions and then you meet fortune again another cinematic scene it's by the bc connecting bridge this is both this is why you see uh fortune dealing with seal team 10 on her own and she just standing there while they're whizzing past bullets so then once you deal with that cutscene and you go down the, the the mess hall. You're greeted to meet with Peter Stillman. And he gives you the whole details. Peter Stillman connecting himself with Fat Man was a nice little tie-in because they gave us a reason to why Fat Man was important. Why Peter Stillman was important. Because at first glance, I was like, why is Peter Stillman important? Why is he so much screen time? And this is back in 2001. 22 years ago, to be exact. Once you hear the story, and I understand that he had a relationship with Fat Man because he, he raised him as a son. 
Now you understand why he was brought in. Meanwhile, if you hear Pliskin talk about Vamp story, Vamp is also tied in with Pliskin. I mean, tied in with Peter Stillman because Peter Stillman was the bomb disposal guy. That got scared and mishandled the bomb and the church that was in there went kablooey, which was also, and coincidentally, Vamp's family was in there. Vamp got impaled and he survived by feeding on his family just to survive. That's not why he was called Vamp. He was called Vamp because for other reasons. But Peter Stillman was involved with that. And because of that incident, he faked the injury. And then he raised Fat Man to be his own son. And Fat Man wasn't in the incident, but he happened to adopt him and raise him. So Stillman is connected to Vamp and how Vamp came to be. If you think about it and watch back that story. So, Okajima knew how to tie in story plots for movie cinematics. But for boss battle fights, Metal Gear 1 had better boss battles. Because each boss battle actually meant something. Like, you're up against Psycho Mantis, and unless you change the ports to port 2 or grab your second controller, Nailing him with a with a connection shot or a punch was gonna be impossible because he would read your movements of your joystick or he played with you and said, "I'm reading your thoughts." Metal Gear's two boss battles were okay. They were two main cutscenes, and then once you dealt with Fat Man, which was a guy on roller skates running around the heliport, and if you didn't watch him, he would stack up booby traps on you, and if you didn't take care of them right away. They just got a control, and if you didn't, and if you didn't have sensor A, it was gonna be a hard time finding unless you knew every place by heart. And he was relatively easy to take down because he liked to show off. He was a showman. Batman was a showboat. He liked to taunt you as hell. He was a taunter. <laughs> and once you put him to sleep or you got a few shots in, you can take care of the bomb first. But you had 20 seconds to deal with him before he got back up on on roller skates. So then once you dealt with Fat Man, even though I'm skipping a scene, because before you deal with Fat Man, and this is after you deal with the the booby trap in the lower part of Strut A, uh, and you get back into where you first came in, Fortune comes down the elevator and she greets you with I can't tell you how glad I am to see you alive after all and then she starts blasting with her real gun the experimental real gun meanwhile you can't do nothing to Fortune you just have to wait until the game says okay enough and it cuts in and Vamp makes his second appearance no third appearance because the first appearance is where Ryder meets him in MB with SEAL Team 10 and then again He's on the other side, carrying the video game version president on his shoulders next to Fortune. And then he makes his appearance again to tell Fortune that Fat Man has gone nuts. And then, you know, the cutscene takes over still and Raiden puts two into Vamp instead of into Fortune, which is played, Vamp is played by Phil, which guy did a great job. The fact that he said he had to take deep breaths, almost like he had to stop himself from breathing to get the iconic voice of Vamp. That was great. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was great. 
So then you deal with that, then you deal with Fat Man. After you deal with Fat Man, after the whole roller skate explosive bit, and you pull Fat Man away and you get his dog tag too, don't ever forget to get dog tags. Getting the dog tags are important. Getting the dog tags now in today's generation gaming is essential because you get a trophy for that. Back in the day, in the PS2 era, there was no trophy or achievements. But if you do it now, you get a trophy for it. Just keep that in mind. So, but you have to get the HD collection if you want the trophy added onto it. So after you do a fat man, you see the ninja, the cyborg ninja, which clearly you could tell it's a more like a stealth field gear than a cyborg ninja, but they try to mimic Shadow Moses as much as they could. They tried. You know, and the ninja gives you the clothing, the cell phone, keep the vibration function on, and I think the, 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 the PAL card too, if I'm not mistaken. And then, you know, after they say what they have to say, and they switch to nanomedications, she breaks off, or rather, he breaks off, because we don't know that was Olga until much later on. And then he just flips out like Olga, because Olga and the ninja both do the same side over the railing flip, if you pay close attention. Which by now, us Metal Gear veterans, we know that. So, Okajima had a thing for anime and, kata- and katakus and, and long storytelling. And if you play Metal Gear 3, and you go into the base in Grodney Grad, and you meet the rocket scientist or the original leader, he has all the Metal Gear stuff on his desk, including the more futuristic ones that came later on. So then you go into the other strut that's already been pre-damaged because Olga says she's seen somebody in a cardboard box, so they did it on trap. So then you get in the elevator and you find out you find out that EE is somewhere else in the lower half. Because AIM says that, you know, he was to be able to watch the president. But, of course, AIM gets dealt with because AIM's got dealt with by his own pacemaker. But, again, they're they're mimicking Fox Die. Fox Die was a thing for Metal Gear 1, and they mimicked it in Metal Gear 2. Including the Metal Gear Race had their own version of Fox Die. It was called Digital. It was an emergency ascent course. So... Once you found out who Ames were and Ames gave you his information, you're going to deal with EE. And then after Fat Man was the first boss, you get to fight Vamp, my guy, the, the guy where I got my name from, part of my name. And Vamp was a slightly better boss battle than Fat Man because Vamp was kind of predict- unpredictable at first. You couldn't tell if he was going to come at you from under the water or he was going to throw his blades at you. But he had this thing of his red knife dagger that would freeze your shadow. And if your shadow was frozen, you was frozen. There was no moving whatsoever. None. But after a few pops and tranquils, including the water, because the water was 
pure buoyancy. That's what the game said. Anyone fell in, you was drowning because there was no buoyancy. It was pure oxygenated water. But somehow he managed to swim in it. Blew my mind. My meanwhile, writing is just like, who are these people? Why am I here? Why am I even doing this mission? I don't even know who I am type deal. So you dealt with vamp, and then you're going to swimming mode because you gotta swim to, because you also gotta swim to EE as well. And then you find out that EE can't swim because afraid of water. And this is going back to uh, Huey, you know, Hal's father, and I think he was with Doctor Strange love at the time. If someone can quote me on that, go ahead. But I think he's with Doctor Strange love at the time too. Which turns out to be E.E.'s mother. But that was never really confirmed. So then come to find out E.E. can't swim. She's terrified of water. So she's on Raiden's back. And you got to swim. And make sure that you know where you're going. Because you got to look for where you came from. And you got to look for air vents. Because air vents is for her to breathe. Because her old gauge, her oxygen gauge is next to nothing. So, Okajima know how to do some challenges. But it was also his team, too. It was just Okajima. And Konami wants to get back into the game on making console gaming. Which I'm all for it. And that's why I said in my first episode, you want to make the episode or the game Metal Gear 1, go for it. But don't lose the core aspect. Metal Gear 2 doesn't need a remake. It's fine the way it is. And Unless you want to change the control scheme, that's fine. That's just my opinion. Metal Gear 3 probably does need a visual update. No lie. For being that, you know, it was during the Cold War and stuff like that. So after you dealt with Vamp, and then you help EE and her fears, there's really, really no boss battle with that either. Other than the fact of... After EE, and then she walks the platoon, and you gotta protect her from the from the guards and ciphers. Fun fact: if you point your microphone towards the strut that EE is walking towards, to you can hear Johnny's voice. The same Johnny slash um Akiba that's talking about how he hates the group or he don't like the group, and he's the same one in the bathroom having stomach pains. Me and my, we play Metal Gear 3, Johnny slash Akiba gets mentioned and how every, how every group, every group had a, had a name, son named Johnny in it. So, once EE gets halfway through and Snake makes his way to it, Vamp pops out of the water, Vamp goes right behind EE, meanwhile Snake is right behind Vamp and EE, but you don't know it's Snake yet. You won't know a snake until you do the Harrier versus you mission with Solid Snake and Vamp flying the, the jet. That's when you find out that snake is snake. Because even that was not really a boss battle. That was just like a filler battle. And yes, I said that. The snake versus the Harrier and you was more like a filler battle than a boss battle. Because once you used the Stinger Missile, it was pretty much self-explanatory. It wasn't that big of a deal. This is why I said Metal Gear 1 did have better boss battles. In my opinion. 
but the ones that, that have the better boss battles and all of them have the same Metal Gear 3. Metal Gear 3 had, had above and beyond boss battles, but we'll touch on that later. So, once that vamp deals with EE and you give vamp the final shot, or was it the final shot? Because if you watch the cutscene later on, vamp is still walking the bridge. But that's later. So, after you get her to the computer and she, up, and she uploads for the program, <clears throat> don't mind that. And then she uploads the program, program does this thing, and it mimics an anybody agent, which I thought that was cool. Which was a little plot twist because you, you know with the you know with the Hal's the Emmerichs, there's always something that goes on. It never goes on straight. Whether it's Huey Emmerich or Hal Emmerich or something, it always goes on wrong. And they both did the classic pee in the locker room. That's how you know they were related, or at least that's how Kojima written it. So she dies, and then Hal pours his heart out because he's still crying over a sniper wolf. Because him and Sniper Wolf had a relationship. And he's like, why, Wolf? I'm always a survivor. And it takes you back to a flashpoint to Shadow Moses. And I have to admit, you know, he he, he does miss Wolf to this day. So it's like the Emmerichs always have like a dark cloud for the funnel over them. You know, Kojima and the group is always into that tragic drama. Or as Asla would say, a tragic heroine. To <laughs> So then you don't get the real boss battle until you in the S3 kernel where it's Raiden versus a bunch of Metal Gear Rays. About 25, 26. That was the number. But we don't go through that many. And the rotation is knee, head, knee, head, knee, head, knee, head. I mean, you can get a, a headshot right away, but it's risky. But it's always easier to go for the knee first than the head. And then this what kills me. Whenever Raiden does his dodge attack or his dodge animation, he does a flip, not a tuck and roll, a full on side flip. You mean to tell me that no ammunition, no bullet, no nothing will hit his leg on the way of that? Because at least Snake would do a quick roll. So after that, Raiden almost gives up, which I thought that was the end right there. Right, as he can't do it. In comes Olga. A.K.A. Miss Ninja. And Solidus, the former president of, of the game, does his thing, puts her lights out. And that's when you find out later on, between that, where Fortune is already saying, I captured Snake. That you find out that that's his son. Not literally more like adoptive son. And that's why we are made to care about Jack because they're mimicking Shadow Moses where Liquid and Snake, Solid, are trying to get out from their father's thumb, which is Big Boss, which is the first snake. Meanwhile, no one's talking about the mother of all snakes. Okay, the mother of all snakes that went to Ash, that went to the, that went, went into space. And she was known as the boss.
And I forgot her name because I think they, they mentioned her name once or twice. So anyway, you find out that his son, Ocelot, is acting like he's surprised. But meanwhile, he stripped the whole thing. Because this is all based on Shadow Moses because he's running a test. Meanwhile, we're wondering why this whole thing mimics Shadow Moses. We don't know that until later on. So it's more like a Shadow Moses remake of a reboot, but, you know, we figure out why. So then, once that happens, Fortune gets dealt with, finally, because, you know, she tried her little mind-bending trick. If you ever watch Wanted, where bullets just curve around things, but in this case, she's supposed to be, like, this supernatural person that can make bullets dodge around her. Kind of find out it was Ocelot giving her a gadget, but meanwhile... When he was in Ray, and he went to go nuts and unload his payload onto everybody, and they were still handcuffed, and she's bleeding out from her chest, but he thought he got her in the heart, but he didn't. She really did have supernatural abilities that saved everybody before she died. Meanwhile, he's saying this in his liquid voice, not his Ocelot voice. Or maybe he was saying this in his Ocelot because he liked to change back and forth at the time. So then um, Snake gets hit with a bullet in his handcuff. He breaks free. And he says, it's like surfing is a good way to go. Ocelot goes off with Ray. Snake is behind Liquid and they go plunging in the water. So then once they crash into New York, which is downtown New York, which is not that far from the World Trade Center. At the time. And this happened right after 9-11. You know. Where we had that big battle between Raiden and his makeshift father. Which is also known as the King Snake. And this is how Metal, this is how Metal Gear Rising was come to be. Because this is how Metal Gear Rising was born. Through that scene where it's the sword on sword battle. The whole premise of the game was, you know, do what you want, do what you feel. If you feel like you can do this, do this. Just because you was born into a family legacy or you was born into by blood, don't just do it because your blood says so. You're not chained to it. You're not chained to fate. You know, you're not ruled by your blood. You're not ruled by machines. The choice is yours to make. At least that's the message I got that Okazimo was trying to send. You know, we could pass on our memories by pictures and or in this case DVDs, flash drives, flash pictures or even now YouTube to our next generation. But we don't have to be what we're told to be because we're expected to be we do because we want to. Don't be chained to fate. Which was Liquid's fear. He was like, you have the recessive genes and I have the inferior genes. We're chained to fate because I am ruled because we are ruled by our genes. Our late father was in his 50s when he made his copies. Our raw materials have vintage, brother. And meanwhile, he said this in Metal Gear 2. You are drowning in time. I know what it's like. Yeah, he lives in Metal Gear 2. Meanwhile, we don't know that at this point, Snake wasn't going through accelerating aging until Metal Gear 4. But we was told that, that Snake could never reproduce. So, Okajima had a thing 
for making his games into movie storytelling. Because like I said in, in, in my first episode of Metal Gear 1, the, re, the rebirth of a franchise, he liked to, he, he wanted to get into movies when he first started, but he got into game development as his first job. Okijima and Konami, hand in hand, made what Konami is and was, more was. Because Konami now is more about Yu-Gi-Oh! and little games here and there, but they really went heavily on the Pachinko bit. And now they're going back into video game making and console making, and hopefully we get to see uh, Silent Hill or a Metal Gear remake. I mean, I know they've been hinting on Metal Gear 3, but us fans, we are clamoring for Metal Gear 1 remake. And please keep the core of the game intact, true to the story. Bring back as many people as you can for us older fans and new fans to bridge that gap. Because Capcom knew how to bridge that gap with Resident Evil. When they when they remade the first game, they kept the core elements of the original and they added on some stuff. And they expand on it. So they, 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 they left almost a blueprint, no pun intended, of how to make a remake. So please Konami do that and you guys can come back to your glory days. Or at least show that you care about the franchise. Because Metal Gear Survive was not it. So by this point, Jack is Jack. He beat his father into a sword battle. He falls off the top of it the top of the building where um I think it was Washington that was standing above. And then, kind of find out it's President's Day. Jack meets Rose and so forth and so forth. Snake points out why we're wearing dog tags and who's the name of dog tag. I love the fact that you as a player, no matter who's playing the game, you get to see your name on a dog tag. I thought that was a nice touch. That was a nice fourth wall breaking. I thought that was really cool. So, now we get to see why Metal Gear Rising or Revengeance was born. Mind you, point of fact... Metal Gear Revengeance or Metal Gear Rising wasn't made by Konami's team. He had sourced it out to another team developer. That's why the game is the way it is. It was done by a different team, different developer, because Kojima and his team was busy doing other stuff. I think at this point they were doing Metal Gear... I think Acid was in the play then. Or Or they were just porting over um, Metal Gear... Peace Walker is the reason why. And the first sword mechanics that they used was going to be good. It was like all around. You could hit anything, destroy anything. But as the game progressed, you see Raiden becoming more into his own. And he tells Rose that he has more field experience, that he's a child soldier. He's been fighting since he was a kid. And how they feed him with gunpowder was mixed in with the food. At least that's what the story said. It was a great game for us for that time for the transition of PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2. The story was there. I didn't like the fact that it was a bait and switch where we went from being Snake to not being Snake. And we had to almost forced to care about Raiden. And then as it progressed, we cared because we went through the struggles with Raiden. Like, okay, now we get it. So, Konami, if you want to bring back this franchise, do it, do it right, do it for the fans, 
you know, just don't just slap together, change some stuff, take some stuff out and say, here's the remake. Because we already went through that with Resident Evil 2 and 3. Even though Resident Evil 2, the remake, was great. The only problem I have with Resident Evil 2 is that the fact that no matter who you start with, Leon and Claire, they fight the same bosses, same battles, and that's in the same place, same time. But that's a different game, different genre. Well, I mean, same, yeah, different genre. We'll talk about that later. But I'm just making a point where just don't take stuff out and just say this is a this is a reimagining. Don't do that. Don't, because then we're gonna be really mad that you're gonna come back and do that. Now, nah, we'll, don't don't insult our Metal Gear intelligence. So, so we are really hoping that Konami does come back with the Metal Gear remake. There's no official word if David Hayter is going to reprise his role as the voice of Snake. He's somewhat soft-hinted on it that he might have, or he might, or they haven't called on him back yet. You know, we have seen Snake in Super Smash Bros., or at least his character, and one or two of his voiceovers. We know at one point when it was a fan-made project of... Metal Gear 1 Solid being done as a fan-made project, he had let his voice out. But, you know, that got kiboshed because uh, Konami said no for reasons. That's alright. So, that's my thoughts and feeling. Next episode will be Metal Gear 3, 4, and 5. But, probably by Monday, I'm going to do a full episode and breakdown on how to use and construct your screen for OBS. And I'll give you a step-by-step audible tutorial about how to use OBS for your YouTube or Twitch. So until then, guys, stay tuned to this channel, to this podcast. Your host, Neil Vampiro, saying stay cool, stay extreme. For the moment, guys, I'm out of here. Have a good night or a good day.